and welcome to episode 65 of the Night Gallery podcast. My name's Chris Brown. Today we're talking about the late Mr. Peddington. It's the second story from episode 16 of season 2. Written by Jack Laird and based on a short story called The Flat Male, which was by Frank Sisk. It's directed by Jeff Corey, who'd also directed our last story, Lindemann's Catch. This is a very different story. It's uh, one of the the Jack Laird stories which actually manages to have a bit of a, a good joke within it. A dead man splattered on a concrete walk. Not the most appetizing of scenes and not the pleasantest of stories, but if you're interested remotely in homey homicides, this may be your bag. We call it the late Mr. Peddington. Funeral director, uh, Ferdius Conway, who's played by Harry Morgan, is speaking to... Uh, a woman called Cora Peddington, who's played by Kim Hunter. Now, Cora is a woman who is uh, speaking about her husband, a man who's plunged to his death. Ten stories from a balcony. Unfortunately, because the um, the balcony had been removed for, for repairs, he hadn't realised, stepped out, and then fell to his death. Despite the fact that... Um, her husband, uh, had Mr. Mr. Pennington, had wealth. She, however, wants the funeral extremely cheap. Um, she's desperately trying to keep costs down. And uh, when the funeral director, Conway, asks why, she has a very particular and, in truth, quite understanding reason. But surely you inherit... Not immediately. My husband always professed a strong antipathy for rich widows. He felt that between the time of their husband's death and the time they gained control over the legacies, a purgative period should ensue to give the widows a balanced view of past and future. I see. In my case, the will stipulates that I inherit nothing except the money from his life insurance for a period of two years following his death. Moreover, I must live exclusively on this sum. I may not work, I may not borrow, I may not pawn such personal items as furs or jewelry to supplement the insurance benefits. An unusual document. What are the consequences of just ignoring it? Clear. In that case, I inherit only a tenth of the estate. The remainder going to the Douglas MacArthur Memorial Fund. How much insurance did he leave? $2,000 is the face value. You mean you're expected to live on $2,000 for two years? Why, my dear lady, that's only about... $20 a week. This decision to make the, um, this decision to make her live so frugally, despite the fact that it was based on, you know, ideas from years ago, has, uh, 
has meant that she is in a very difficult way with money and has decided that although there are different ways of, of trying to get the cost up you know the, the amount of money she gets up a double indemnity and various other little tricks in the in the insurance to try and get the amount of money up before she gets paid out in two years um, she is unsurprisingly having to be extremely frugal with the wedding to quite a shocking with the wedding with the funeral with to quite a shocking degree to the point that she won't even afford a new suit for him to be buried in and actually decides that he should just be buried in a basket they just they chat about it a bit longer and she decides to then to leave uh, a mortician comes in called John, called played by Randy Quaid, and um, he comes in and, and he asks specifically why, if obviously they're the cheapest people in town and the most understanding, did she not just take the deal outright? But uh, Conway realizes exactly what the woman has planned. You heard? I had the intercom turned up full. Do you think we got the job? No doubt about it. She didn't say so. She will. There's not a mortuary in town that can underbid us. Well, why didn't she just say so, then? Why didn't she just tell us to come over and collect the remains? John, you're a first-rate embalmer, but as a brain, you're a disaster area. Sir? She was shopping, John, shopping. She had to make certain that under the conditions of her husband's will, she could realistically afford the price of even a cut-rate funeral. So? So, now she has to go home and... That's right. Um, Mrs. Peddington hadn't actually um, committed any deed or... or, or, or the, Mr. Peddington, in fact, wasn't actually that dead yet. And after pricing up the funeral, uh, Cora realised that she could probably afford to, to do in her rather austere and cold-hearted husband. And uh, Conway had realised that she'd gone off to do the deed. Um, with this story, Laird manages to actually pull out... Um, Something that yeah, has the macabre elements of Night Gallery, but also is quite funny. Um, I know, obviously, and indeed myself, I do give these little, you know, the shorts, two or three minute shorts, uh, a great deal of stick that Laird wrote, and rightly so. I think, on the whole, they're not very good, although there is a couple of exceptions. With this and the slight longer time, Laird does show that he is able to write a good comedic piece in a macabre tone. Um, you know, it's only twelve minutes long, but at that, but in that time, we find out about we find a feel for Conway, uh, a type of man who is, uh, you know, quite money grabbing, but also more than willing to undercut the opposition. Cora, uh, a woman who is quite ruthless, uh, but also is, you know, is able to explain herself and her reasons for what she did quite clearly and also for the late Mr. Peddington a man who we'd never see apart from the quite violent moment for Night Gallery anyway of him plunging down from from his window to his death in that crash scene a crash cut at the end very quick cut um, to to emphasise the punchline of the story but um, 
we get a feel for exactly the type of man he is and exactly why uh, Cora would possibly do the things that she did. Um, so it is, uh, you know, it, it builds nicely in its story, and I think that works really well. Um, I'm, to an extent, obviously, that's partly due to the writing again of not just of Laird, who manages to create a story that is uh, that works quite well, but also through to the short story by Frank uh, Sisk. I think it's it's telling, or maybe not that telling, but it is interesting that it has an almost a Hitchcock style to to the way it's put together particularly that scene when you see the body fall from the window and it's kind of macabre elements but also quite amusing which uh, would be you know you probably more better suited to Alfred Hitchcock presents the story was actually originally published in an Alfred Hitchcock compilation of stories uh, down by the old bloodstream um which was produced actually in 1971 uh, in, in paperback and is uh, you know um, I've, I'm looking at eight books at the moment and there's there's one there if you if you're quick you'll be able to pick one up uh, it's only one dollar fifty although they're spanking your pocket they're posting packaging by the looks of it but um, I think that's uh, you know um, you know it, I think it, it's telling that it, it, it it's in that kind of um, Compilation, you know. I mean, I don't know how much Hitchcock actually edited his own uh, stories, uh, his books of stories, but uh, uh, apart from writing an introduction, but uh, it does, it has been matched to the tone of that kind of suspenseful and then quite amusing, uh, droll kind of humour. Uh, Jeff Conway, uh, sorry, Jeff Coney, uh, the director, spent a bit of time learning about morticians and how they work, and he, he doesn't like them very much. I think part of the reason why the uh, the set is so filled with uh, with caskets is to kind of give so that kind of sense of unease that maybe Conway is the kind of man who would try and you know mug off and try to take as much money as he could um, he is, he, he, that, that kind of sense of you know he, he might have uh, the, you know the casket open while <laughs> while you're discussing money trying to unnerve the, the poor person who's trying to um, try, try, trying to bury their beloved um, certainly the interplay between Harry Morgan and Kim Hunter but during this scene, these scenes are uh, almost cat and mouse as she kind of they kind of dart between these co- all these coffins and um, you know as he's trying to pin down the deal and her giving away quite a lot of information about herself to explain her actions uh, why she'd be so cheap and uh, to, to bury her husband in a basket um, Morgan manages to play him in quite a caring way though obviously he's compelled through money but there's something going on I think behind his eyes he, he clocks exactly what's happening and uh, and does nothing um, which I think is quite telling um, and uh, I think he does it well uh, they originally wanted John Gilgood to play that role of Conway but apparently he turned it down because he was fed up with playing Undertakers which I think is fair enough even in a short role Um I think you won't be surprised to hear that uh, it again, as always, this was a fast shooting script done in less than a day. Um, but 
you know, it works this time. People get it's it's a very professionally done job, and uh, with such a short running time of twelve minutes, it probably makes sense that it's done that like that. It has a nice little style to it, and uh, and, and and the briefest and the most random cameo ever of Randy Quaid just popping up, uh, looking almost oddly kind of unrecognisable, kind of like is that is that Randy Quaid walking past, uh, literally just as a catalyst for the the reveal. Um, just to build, build a build up to a punchline and little more else and he does that job fine I suppose but you know there's not much else really to talk about that I see a closed casket ceremony I don't plan on a casket at all nor any ceremony no casket I should think a basket would do it do they come with lids yes they do come with lids fine Okay, doing housekeeping extremely quickly. Um, if you want to get hold of me, you can do it on my private Twitter, which is at orange underscore monkey. Uh, all the best of ways to contact us are on our website, which is www.thetwilightzonenetwork.com. Um, there, there's all the articles that we put on and all our uh, podcasts. Uh, Dimension X is now finished, and I've just started uploading X minus one. Uh, also, um, you can get there's links to our Facebook page, uh, which again is updates and the occasional odds and sods, and our Twitter stream, uh, which will tell you when we've updated. Um, if you want to email me direct, you can do at chris at the twilight zone network.com. Okay, that's it for today. Um, good little story, and another good little story next week A Feast of Blood. Uh, I mentioned last week that it, 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 this one kind of reminds me of a Doctor Who episode. Uh, mainly because it's rather unusual monster, um, but despite its its feel of, of, of quite low-fi, very low-fi effects, it uh, it still has quite a vicious tone, and I'm sure one where I've got plenty. Well, there is plenty to talk about with it too. So until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. <laughs>